So here we are as a human race. We have amazing power. We do. Humans have power above all other creatures. You know. And it can be used for good or bad, you know. The power to overcome Maya, you know, by making the right choice. Maya means the illusory energy of the material world. By making the right choices, by following the Vedas, by accepting this supreme authority, by harmonizing with nature's law. That's that's a power that that is amazing, you know, to get off the wheel of birth and death, you know. That's that's an ability, a power to, to actually understand I'm spirit soul. I'm not the material body. And that's what it's all for. Hey there and welcome to the Breaking Trail podcast. My name is Ruben and you'll also meet here my friend and teacher Balakia. Uh, I once saw Spider-Man and there's one quote that I remember and that is, with great power comes great responsibility. So that is what we'll speak about today, what we are meant to use this tremendous powerful human form of life for, and the results of not using it in the proper way. So happy to have you here and let's start. <clears throat> Got on your lumberjack shirt, you're looking good. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. I got it from my mom, as all of my other, like 95% of my other clothes I get from my mom. <laughs> Moms never quit buying clothes for the kids. <laughs> it's their, their opportunity to engage in service. That's that's very, very true. Yeah. I, I really see that with my mom, like that's so natural for her, like she, she wants to be in that situation, it makes her happy. And if I don't allow her to serve in that way, then, you know, it's, she's not. Oh, yeah. Happy. Like if you if you, you don't eat their food, they get totally offended. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know. But she fortunately she fortunately is quite you know she's very respectful, makes vegetarian food and you know. Yeah, that's great. I mean, but if somehow you don't accept it, the point still the same. <laughs> they get offended. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah. But that's moms. Moms are like that. <laughs> yeah. All moms. I don't care where they are or what. It's the same. And we should be, you know, just happy that our moms are doing all they're doing for us. I mean, wow. Oh, and, and what they have done yeah. for us previously. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, they did a lot, you know. Took care of us, made it possible to live. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Being abandoned by moms doesn't uh, work too well, physically or psychologically. <laughs> yeah, you see that, and 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 yeah, more and more. Exactly. And people in you know, I mean, there's, I, 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 I guess, I've heard most, but I haven't seen that research. But I'm sure it goes both ways. Like the people that don't have. A clear father figure in their life is have a much higher chance of ending up in prison and things like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Krishna's arrangement is nature's arrangement is that you have a father and a mother. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's how it was designed. 
And that's why in the Vedic system, you know, in a marriage, it was declared from the very beginning there will be no divorce. Yeah. Because then the parents don't leave the child. One or the other doesn't go away because the child, by nature's arrangement, is attached to both yeah. mother yeah. and father. You know, so here comes the divorce and they got to make a decision, you know, which ones will I go with? Or usually they don't even have that decision. They just stay with the mother. Yeah. But they want to be with the father too, and or there's fighting between the mother and the father, and you know their two best friends are fighting. And, and each you have other. to be the one who's like meddling, who's who's trying to make diplomacy, like oh don't say that, and that's not true, and sorting it out. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're a kid. It's, you know, if the system is carried out like it's supposed to be, then there's harmony all across the yeah. board. <laughs> well, and you get good yeah. results. <laughs> But that's. But it's not like that now because we've gone our own ways, you know, according to our individual desires for more pleasure, sensual experience, or, you know, our lust, you know, just transferred from this person to another person and whatever. Yeah. And yeah, so we, we got a mess. You know, so. we, 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 like, why can't we just stick to the plan? What's the, what's the problem with that? <laughs> why do we have to make our own? <laughs> Try to make our own. Because we want to be the maker of our own way, yeah. and you know, follow the, yeah. the demands of the mind and the senses. And I would say I don't know a percent, but you know, ninety plus percent of marriages are founded on lust. Yeah. I mean, that's why you choose this person to marry because they somehow excite you. They bring out, you know, certain desires and pleasures that that you want to fulfill. And this person has the position to promise, okay, I will fulfill that. You know, but of course it's impossible, which means automatically I'll make you happy. Yeah. You know, but it's impossible, of yeah. course. Because we're not the body, and fulfilling all desires and sensual pleasures still doesn't make a person happy. And so lust, as we read in Bhagavad Gita, chapter 2, starting with text 62, lust breeds anger. And that's why there's so much anger in, in marriage relationships. And it's so known and so common now that people don't even bother to get married anymore. I mean, yeah, like, exactly. They, they just they just don't even get married. I mean, they don't want to enter into that complicated, exactly. involved institution. Because exactly. then, when it all does fall apart, which you know, fifty percent plus do, then you got to go through a whole legal struggle to get out yeah. of it. Where if you just never get married, you just walk in and walk out. But we're, Hello, we're like so afraid of making that commitment. <laughs> I, 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 we just want to have all doors open, yeah. Because I might have chosen the wrong thing, you know, or this might be like the not not the right person for me. So I should, uh, like you're saying, well, just prefer to. Yeah. <laughs> it's so cheap, you know. It's so cheap. Everything's yeah. cheap. <laughs> it's just yeah. It's just. Cheap is the is the word, right? It's it's no seriousness, it's no commitment, it's, and you know the male species. Yeah, you mean different people you before. Know, by nature, you know, by the time they do 
get married. They've been through, you know, flashes of I love you or I don't love you many, many times over. I mean, females too, the, the men and the women. But so they know it comes and goes. I mean, they already know that. You know, oh, I remember, you know, this, this, this. And, oh, it was so attractive. It was so promising. But then again, I got tired of that. Well, so, so they know that's a, a large possibility yeah. in this, quote, marriage yeah. possibility. So they don't even bother. <laughs> no. Why, uh, why get involved? Yeah. And, you know, like it's become a status symbol to to almost just have partners and don't get married. I remember reading an article about Iceland. I, I, I read this article, and I forget the percentage, but it was a huge percentage of, of people that come together don't get married. And it's, it's like a status symbol. It's like, okay, we've transcended this yeah. marriage encumbrance. Mm. You know, so Iceland as a as a country, as a, as a common consciousness, we could say, of the citizens, you know, prides itself in, oh, we don't get married. You know, we come together, we have our, you know, relationship, and as long as it's, you know, we're producing fruit and pleasure and so on, it's good. We have our children, but, you know, when all of that fades away, we just move on. And get another situation, you know, it's like, you know, and there you go. But what about the kids that get drugged through all this, you know, three dads and three, you know, different complete scenarios. And, and of course, as we, you know, know from statistics, it's not speculation, you know, many of the children get molested by the New dads, because hey, it's not mine, you know. It's just a, you know, a young right. female right. in my house. Right. right. You know, it's not that fatherly affection and protective nature and care. Exactly. You know, I can't harm my daughter. Right. It's not my daughter. It's it's just a, you know, everly increasing attractive female in my house that is puberty comes in and things develop, you know, they become more and more attractive, more so than the mother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. so there you go. You know, why not? <laughs> so you've got, you know, a huge percentage of the population has, you know, been through that. And how that affects, you know, and how that affects someone when they're, when they're, when they've grown up themselves and to, you know, there's so, something yeah. about breaking that cycle as well. I mean, that's... Yeah. Yeah, lifetime damage, exactly. and you know nobody wants to wants to feel responsible or guilt or yeah. uh, like again, it's just becoming normal. Mm. This kind of behavior, yeah, just becoming yeah, that's what happens. You know, there's because uh, <laughs> coming back to this point of cheapness, there <laughs> before this talk, I was reading in a Shrimad Bhagavatam about the human form of life, as we wanted to discuss today, and there's. There's a quote where Bhaktivedanta says that uh, no animal, bird or beast is bereft of sense pleasure. In every species of life, including the human form of life, such happiness is immensely obtainable. 
The human form of life is, however, not meant for such cheap happiness. The human form of life is for attaining eternal and unlimited happiness by spiritual realization. So it's... <laughs> yeah. Cheap happiness. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of lot of passages by Bhaktivedanta Prabhupada and Bhagavad Gita also. Right. You know, in, in, in various purports. And... Uh, it's somehow echoed. You're, I don't know. Yeah, your voice is doubled yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Two voices. <laughs> to speak. I can say twice as much in the same amount of time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a friend of mine, you know, Alan, he, 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 like, he was chanting with Jaffa beats, but he had one Jaffa beat in his right hand and one in his left hand. <laughs> like at the same time. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, so, so you do one round, you do two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, okay, so yeah. It's called multitasking. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's not the best within mm. uh, meditation. <laughs> no, that's not the system. Sure. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, in Bhaktivedanta's purport, like chapter three, uh, text 16 of Bhagavad Gita. You know, these are just short little statements, but by nature's law, this human form of life is specifically meant for self-realization. Mm. So, you know, by nature's law, human life is meant for spiritual realization, mm. specifically. You know. and, and he says the same thing in, in various places, yeah. you know. In the human form of life, one can conquer... No, let's see. Therefore, the human form of life is a chance for the living entity to escape the entanglement of material existence. Mm. In the human form of life, one can conquer the enemy lust by the cultivation of God consciousness under able guidance. The so same thing, you know, then... Tanglement of material existence, and this is not, you know, which includes being entangled in the law of karma and all the attachments and you know attractions and you know the overpowering you know control of lust and all of that. I mean, all that's the entanglement of the soul in the material world, and the human form of life is a chance for the living entity to, to escape the entanglement of material existence. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, there's a few, you know, quotes, very, very similar, all very similar. You know, human life is meant for the cultivation of spiritual knowledge in eternal relationship with the supreme personality of Godhead. Yeah. And he goes on, and this is in chapter 4, you know, text number 11, he says, and he goes on to quote that the executive heads of all states and all planets are obliged to impart this lesson to the citizens by education, culture, and devotion. Hmm. Yeah. Much. In other words, the executive heads of all states are intended to spread the science of God consciousness so that the people may take advantage of this great science and pursue a successful path, utilizing the opportunity of the human form of life. Exactly. Wow. 
So, you know, it's, you know, we, we know all these things, you know, because of studying this and hearing this and, and accepting this. But most people don't know this, unfortunately. And, um, Mm-hmm. And Lynn told me before this talk, she she said, you need to you need to sit, tell them this quote, she said, and it's goes like this. What is popular is not necessarily true. And what is true is not necessarily popular. <laughs> you know, there you go. <laughs> so. yeah. And more and more, what is true is absolutely unacceptable. Mm. You know, <laughs> it, it's not only not oh, popular. <laughs> wow. You know. It's not like, okay, it's not popular, it's not trendy, it's not But it's cool. okay. It's like unacceptable. You can't say this. You know, so it's, you know, it's moved in that direction yeah. very, very rapidly, hasn't wow, it? Wow, it has, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. One more from Bhagavad Gita. He can also understand that this human form of life is an opportunity to regain God consciousness, and that it should be fully utilized to attain the causeless mercy of the Supreme Lord. So, mm. you know, it's there is a purpose for every form of life. There's 8,400,000 species of life in the material world, according to the Vedas. Mm. And each one has a specific purpose. It's not like they're just random, for no reason, forms of life. They're fulfilling karmas, they're fulfilling desires of individuals, they're fulfilling, you know, their place in the ecosystem, you know, in the food chain and the whole workings of nature. I mean, there's a purpose for every species. I see. You know, yeah. I mean, you're, you're a you know, natural climate, yeah. environmental person. And you know, as soon as man steps in and for one reason or another eliminates a species, you know, through extinction or whatever, that it causes a disruption in the whole cycle. Yeah. Not just that person and those, bo- those people in those bodies disappear, but it disrupts the whole system. Exactly, exactly. That's you know. uh, so. You know, each species has a purpose, and the purpose of the human form is spiritual realization. You know, you know I, yeah. when you said that, I the other day here, I'm by a lake. We're at this retreat, and and I was sitting by the lake and doing my japa, my my meditation, and I was l- looking at the lake, and there was suddenly like a fish coming out of the of the lake, jumping high, like half a meter or almost a meter. I guess he was, you know, chasing some insect and grabbing that. And I was just thinking like, okay, wow. So you have the little insect there on the surface, and then the fish comes and eat the, eat the insect, you know, and then after maybe five minutes, there was something big coming up, up from the water of the lake, <laughs> and then it starts flying up. So there's some, some kind of eagle, huge bird that has... I guess uh, f- without me seeing it, div- diving, divin, been diving, dove, dove, <laughs> dove. <laughs> <laughs> dove into the to the water, and and you know he he came up and his claws he had this fish, you know, <laughs> really? may not be the same fish, I don't know, but it was in the same lake, so it's possible, <laughs> you know, and it started flying, flapping, and went away, and I was like, wow, that's 
Wow, that's that's special. You know, I mean, you don't see that very often. Very rare. I've never seen it before. No, I never have either. I mean, that's nature channel stuff. <laughs> I wish I had a camera ready and <laughs> I could become a millionaire from the. Yeah, and I didn't realize that when when eagles dove into the water, they could actually go under and, and swim and get some. I mean, I don't know if they swim, but whatever they do, catch the fish and then come up and then fly away. I don't know. That's that's what happened. So, I mean, I, I guess he wasn't like for minutes swimming around in the water and then suddenly came up. You know, I guess he must have just like dove in and then... <laughs> I, I, yeah. And then, I, I just saw him come up, so yeah, I yeah. was speculating, you know. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I mean, there is, there is a, a eagle-type bird called an osprey. You know the ospreys? No. They, that's what they live on. They're, they're big birds. They're carnivorous birds, but they live on fish. Yeah, yeah. And you'll find them around water sources, yeah. lakes, yeah. and big bodies of water, sounds, yeah. and so on. And that's what they do. They just see a fish with their X-ray vision <laughs> <laughs> under the water, Polaroid lenses on their eyeballs, <laughs> cut the glare, you know, and then dive in and get the fish and come up and fly away. And that's that's so. kind of like that's they're fulfilling their. Um, I mean, yeah, is, is that, what, yeah, how, how are they fulfilling their, like, what's the purpose of being in that form of life? <laughs> what's the, what's, well, what's their? Fish control. Fish. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure that the you know? fish are taking over. And you notice at the, at the top of the food chain are the carnivores. You know, there's fewer of those. You know, the numbers of the carnivores is much less than the number of the omnivores, sure. which is less than the herbivores, yeah. which is less than the insects, and it just expands in a pyramidal fashion as it goes down to lower forms of life or more dominant, yeah. and the, you know, higher forms of life or are, you know, less. Yeah. You know, yeah. so, you know... A carnivore doesn't need to eat as much. Look at a horse. I mean, they eat all day. <laughs> That's true. You you find a, whore, a herd of horses in any natural setting, and they're, if they're not eating, you know, it's unusual. You know, at least some are eating. Some might be laying down. And cows, they just eat all the time. And when they lay down, they chew their exactly. cud. I mean, they're still yeah. eating. <laughs> you know. So they eat, 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 but the carnivores, like a lion or big, big cats, you know, they might eat once every few days. Yeah. Mm. You know, they just kill something, they stash it, they go eat a little bit, and then they take a rest because it takes longer to digest, and they, you know, they don't need to eat so much. And so anyway, everything's working according to nature's beautiful Plan. arrangement. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the humans look at the humans. I mean, you know, they do everything they shouldn't do and very little that they should do. Yep. You know, because they don't follow the plan. The animals follow instinct. You know, even the plants. I mean, you know, they bloom when they're supposed to. They produce fruit when they're supposed to. They lose their leaves when they're supposed to. That's true. You know, That's true. And they go into a dormant winter stage as 
as necessary. And, you know, they're on the cycle. They're harmonizing with true. the seasons. And You don't suddenly see a, we see a bird like, or you don't suddenly see a tree blooming in the middle of the winter or producing flowers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah sorry. Of course, with the climate so messed up, you know, now it gets, you know, like spring yeah, in the middle well, of winter and the trees, they don't know it's not spring and, and they often bloom too early now and the cold comes back in and i mean you know my 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 mom's a hut keeper she said in, in the end of july like a few weeks ago they had or actually yeah not so long ago like a week ago they had snow a lot of snow and the hut was overfilled with all the all the people who were intense because they didn't bring gloves and and hat and the warm equipment you know so they were <laughs> suffering so they were all squeezing in two people in one bed you know yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it's it's kind of out of out of kilter, as they say. Out of kilter. Yeah. And what what I was just going mm. to mention, we were hiking in the mountains just last week, and you know, elevation also affects what grows. And so we were in a higher elevation. Well, first we were above tree line, so there was basically no trees. You know, just shrubs and different high-altitude plants. Then we came down lower, and there was pine trees, you know. And then we came down lower, and there's birch trees, you know, and it was like a line. Yeah. You know, okay, above this line, there's pine trees. Below this line, there's birch yeah. trees. And the, the, the species that are in those bodies, I mean, they just grow where they're supposed to. <laughs> they they follow the rules, so to speak. <laughs> you know, and, and unconsciously so. I mean, they're not saying, "Okay, I'm a birch. I can't go above this pine." <laughs> <laughs> I'm not allowed to. Oh, I'm a pine. Don't come up here. You know, <laughs> this is not your territory. You know, that's what humans exactly. do. <laughs> <laughs> They just, they just are controlled by nature. But when the soul gets to the human form of life, what is the difference? What is the difference? That's what we need to understand. Mm -hmm. You know. We have what? We have advanced intelligence. We have advanced mental facilities. Yeah. We have reasoning power. We have the ability to make choices. We have the ability to question you know, we have, you know, a, a body that's amazingly adaptable and dexterous. You know, we can we can do things with all of our different bodily parts and senses, you know, that are out of the reach of the lower forms of life, mm. you know. So we have a very special set of equipment in the human form of life, you know. Yeah. Now... As we've just read from scripture, you read from Srimad Bhagavatam, I read from Bhagavad Gita. What the purpose of that equipment is, spiritual realization, God realization, you know, solving the complexities of life, entanglements of life, solving, putting an end to the miseries of life. You know, the material world is a, is a place of misery for all life forms. You know, I just gave a lecture, a public lecture for Poland yesterday, and that was the topic, the threefold miseries <laughs> of material existence. Uh, but, but 
I mean, some people, what, what do you say to someone who doesn't experience that? Like, I mean, some of us are kind of happy in this world. I mean, things are okay. Like life is going by, it's up and down, but you know. But it's still miserable. I mean, come on. You know, if you've got teeth, they're going to cause you problems. <laughs> you know, who hasn't been to the dentist? Very few. You know, and if you haven't yet, you will. Yeah. You know, <laughs> or if you never go to the dentist, you know, eventually your teeth will fall out or you'll die first. <laughs> <You know? laughs> In other words, everybody is experiencing them. Who hasn't been bitten by mosquitoes? Mm. You know, who hasn't been hassled by, you know, midges or you know, been in deep forest, and most people can say I haven't, you know, and been threatened by the presence of bears or, mm. you know, had amoebas, you know, go into your body and attack your digestive system yeah. or breathe in some bacteria and Virus. viruses and got COVID. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, everybody's experiencing misery, but we're so proud and so prone to to just not ex, you know let's say admit yeah. it's miserable yeah. you know that that we just say oh it's not so bad no because yeah. and the mental misery you know i mean the mental misery is huge yeah you know worse than the physical misery it's true you know true. who was that this this Simone Biles, or what i think that was her name i could be wrong on that anyway the greatest gymnast in the world she just pulled out of the Olympics. I mean, she was she is declared by everybody as the greatest gymnast in the world. She won gold last Olympics and so on, and she is expected to win basically almost everything this year. She pulled out because of mental issues, oh. mental instabilities, mental, you know, inability, inability to focus, and so she pulled out of one event, then another event, and then. Another one, and, you know, she was praised by some and criticized by others and so on. But we're talking about a, a mental story here. Yeah. You know, physically she's at the top of the game, probably more physically fit than yeah. almost anybody on the planet. Because yeah. gymnasts, are they require a level of fitness that's beyond a lot of discipline. For sure. <laughs> yeah. But she pulled out because of mental issues. You know, well, is that miserable or not? You know, yes, it is. You know, why are we so admit so afraid to admit the truth? You know, <clears throat> and if we do admit it, like she was attacked by a lot of people. Oh, you're a quitter. You know, you don't have the fortitude. You got to overcome these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you got to stand up and be stoic and I you see. know carry on regardless. I see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she's saying, you know. But hey, you know, I'm high in the air and I, I lose my my positioning and I don't know where I am and, and I don't land properly, you know, I can kill myself or I can break my neck or I can, you know, destroy various parts of my yeah, body. Yeah, you know? yeah. So anyway, anybody who says there's no misery, life is okay, is simply in denial. That's all, you know. How about the natural phenomena that's occurring right now all over the planet? You know, it's causing misery undeniably to, to a lot and a lot that's of people. That's not question. I mean, that's uh, that's you very know. obvious. I think maybe maybe that's some 
I mean, there's always a bright side to everything, I guess. Maybe that's some bright side to the situation <laughs> that we're in. Like we're seeing, you know, wow, this is a misery. This is a place of misery. Like dark things happen. This is not a nice situation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the wildfires are burning up, you know, the United States, Western United States. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, Turkey and Greece and Sicily and Siberia and, you know, on and on the, it and goes, the floods you know, in Germany and <laughs> the floods in Germany and that was I just just in Beijing you know big floods even flooded subways people up to almost their neck and water in the subway cars yeah, yeah, yeah. you know and uh, anyway whatever you know and you can say oh it's climate change well where is that coming from you know if it's true I mean you know the the, the scientists are saying it's man made and Certainly, we're not helping, yeah. you know, in any way. So I guess this leads us to another point about misuse of the human exactly. form of exactly. life. Exactly. I was just going to say the connection between you know. that, because that might be like, what is the connection between that mystery and how we're not using the human form of life properly? I mean, yeah. Yeah. That's... So here we are as a human race, we have amazing power. We do. Humans have power above all other creatures. Yeah. You know. And it can be used for good or bad, you know. The power to overcome Maya, you know, by making the right choice. Maya means the illusory energy of the material world. By making the right choices, by following the Vedas, by accepting this supreme authority, by harmonizing with nature's law. That's that's a power that that is amazing you know to get off the wheel of birth and death you know that's that's an ability a power to to actually understand i'm spirit soul i'm not the material body and that's what it's all for mm. but if i don't use it for that which is for the good of myself and all others all others including the other forms of life including planet earth including you know, pleasing the demigods who control the weather and so on. That's a big subject, but, you know, it's good for everybody. But if I use it incorrectly, then it's bad for everybody. It goes one way or the other. It's not just some nonchalant, doesn't matter, doesn't make any different subject, mm -hmm. you know. So if I take this mind and this intelligence and this you know, amazing senses to incorporate all that, you know, into one powerful package of humanity and use it incorrectly, I can do the greatest harm. Yeah. You know. So you can do the greatest good or you can do the greatest harm. And that, unfortunately, is what is occurring. And that's, you know. Kind of our free choice to, to choose where do we want to place our energy? Where yeah, do we want to go? It is. I mean, let's elaborate on that a little bit. Let's just take, you know, the scientists who are on this higher level of, you know, intellectual development and and they're driven by, you know, the, the, the desire to know and to discover and to examine and, you know, so on. And so they use all their equipment they've got for spiritual realization to develop you know, amazing scientific techniques of discovery, like microscopes mm -hmm. and electron microscopes, so they can see 
you know, tiny, tiny, tiny things that, you know, previously with this, you know, natural senses were impossible to see, you know. But now they can examine things on the minutest level, you know, or telescopes so they can, you know, look into space and see things far, far away that in detail that they couldn't see before, etc. You know, in other words, extending the ability of the senses, you know. So with all of that development, they can now what? Split the atom. You know, oh, here's, you know, molecules and here's atoms. And, you know, there's so much energy here and stored in this tiny, tiny atom is an, is an amazing, you know, amount of energy. If we split this atom, we can release it. Mm -hmm. And if we, we split a lot of atoms at the same time, we can have an, an energy force that we don't know about before. And it can blow up a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> you know, we can make a bomb that can blow up, you know, the world, yeah. you know. Yeah. Or we can, of course, use it for a peaceful purpose to create nuclear energy, you see. But everything comes with a price, you know. So the nuclear reactors leak, you know, over time, they become old and things start breaking down and radiation is released. And, you know, look at Chernobyl, look at Fukushima, look at, you know, various places we may not even know about, you know. <laughs> things happened and it, it wasn't yeah, reported, especially in the earlier that's days, true. you know. And so we, we pollute the atmosphere with, you know, radiation and, you know, people get, you know, increased rates of cancer and, you know, <clears throat> on and on and on it goes. So even the peaceful use of this development is not ultimately all good. But the development it's, it itself you know. is, is is it neutral or what what's how about the development of that technology? Like is that a well let's just say what's the point? Hmm. What's the point? Do we need that? You know, God has given everything we need. Did he give us nuclear reactors? <laughs> Did he give us the ability to split atoms? You know, is that being described in the Vedas? Hmm. You know, and the fact is, no, you know, he, he gave us all of this to develop spiritual realization. If you're focusing on all this material development to increase the material standard of life, which means to increase the, the sensual pleasures and, and comforts, you know, of life, you know, and develop the big industrial enterprises to produce all these mm -hmm. things, you know, but of course, at the top of all that, there's somebody raking off a lot of money, <laughs> you see. I mean, it's, it's all connected with increasing sensual experiences, making my material enjoyment better, Yeah. you know. And it's, so it's, it's like we're making a, a, a big problem, you know. Yeah. All this climate change, if it's, you know, man-made, you know, is because of what? you know, the misdirected use of the human form of life, mm. you know. I mean, what is the driving, the, the biggest, you know, green gas polluter? From you animals. <laughs> That's... Yeah, animal food industry. Yeah, the whole industry. Why industry. do we need animal food industry when the human form of life is designed to, 
eat vegetables and fruits and nuts and <laughs> seeds and grains and, and dairy products. You know, that's prescribed in Scripture. This is human food. Why do we need to eat animal food? No, you know, we don't. No, and, 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 and all of these things are needs that have been placed upon us. And a person who, who wants to have freedom and truly want to, I mean, there are many people of that in the world, should reflect on this. Like, where, where does this need for eating this or doing this come? Like, it's not just that I came up with that and I you know, had a realization like, oh, I really need to eat meat for, to, to be happier. Or you know, it, there was somehow planted in us. These needs have been like planted in us from the marketing and from yeah. society, from... Yeah, exactly. You know, <clears throat> and of course, you. anyway, we won't go into a different yeah, answers that people could give you to that. Oh, but the Anderthal man did this and the cavemen did that. <laughs> you know, the hunter-gatherers and, yeah, yeah. you know, they had to survive by... Well, okay, so let's just say that's true. But now we don't have that same situation. That's true. You know, I don't live in a cave and I don't need to, to kill an animal because I don't have any vegetables to eat, mm. you know. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't need to do that now. I have advanced farming techniques with my human abilities. You know, we can grow food enough in, in, in you know, limited amount of space to feed the world. And, and uh, you know, I mean, now it's it's a able. It's it's it's, it's suitable. And, and and I guess that's like a parenthesis, but that's one weakness of the argument of eating like the cave diet. You know, is were we healthy when we were cavemen? Were we living in the natural way, giving the body the best food that it was meant to to have? You know, I mean, maybe not. <laughs> you know? And were the caveman main purpose spiritual realization uh, that's another that's yeah, i didn't think about that of course you yeah, know, yeah caveman consciousness is caveman consciousness <laughs> you know it's a covered lower form of life consciousness right you know it's basically animal life whether you call it a human or not yeah you know it's eating sleeping mating and defending and that's the end of the story you know exactly so but if you believe the Vedic history, it paints a very different picture. It doesn't even, you know, give us this, you know, picture of how it used to be. You know, there were civilizations that were far, far more advanced than what we have now. Yeah. You know, and the opulence was unimaginable, you know. What opulence we have now is like, you know, pauperism. <laughs> compared to how it was then, you know. But and because the the system was being followed and all the the sacrifices and rituals and offerings and, and devotion and dedicated to, you know, higher personalities that are in charge of, you know, the the weather and all the necessities of the universe because they were being performed, the demigods that are in charge of these things were pleased and they produced, they provided profuse amounts of everything necessary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it said the hills, you know, Mother Earth was, was so happy, you know, and everything was in such harmony that, you know, the streams produced gems, 
You know, the seas produced gems, and, you know, gold was was just a common, you know, metal. You know, it was it was everywhere, and, you know, prosperity was, was like beyond anything we have a, even a glimpse of today, you know. And health, you know, was, was you know, people weren't always sick, you know, and the mental health was exactly. was so stable and solid. Exactly. And life was exciting because of spiritual excitement, you know, spiritual upliftment, spiritual happiness and satisfaction. Yeah. You know, that's a happy society. That's a, a prosperous society. And people were by being a member of that society, growing spiritually. They were using the human form of life as it was properly intended to be used, you know. Uh. But when we entered Kali Yuga, which is the age we're in now, the age of quarrel, chaos, confusion, degradation, the influence is the opposite of that spiritual upliftment influence. You know, then things became lower and lower. Consciousness diminished, you know, and all the, the miseries increased. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the disease, the pestilence, the, the mental, you know, issues, uh, the weak psyches, you know, the, the term of time, uh, span of life in the human form was reduced, you know, so the duration of life was greatly shortened. You know, and, you know, people started using their facilities for spiritual realization for material purposes. Yeah, I see what you mean. You know, yeah. and uh, so here we are. <laughs> and then there's a, you know, the, the, I, again, I was reading through Srimad Bhagavatam for, for these, these quotes, and there was an, an aspect to it that I, that I th thought we can bring up as well, which is, <laughs> oh, we, can, we can just read the whole quote you know now we're, we're just going straight ahead on it but <laughs> this this from Bhaktivedanta Swami he says this material world is called the world of death <laughs> every living being beginning from Brahma whose duration of life is some thousands of millions of years down to the microbial germs who live for a few seconds only is struggling for existence therefore this life is sort of a fight with material nature which opposes death upon all. And then it says, he continues, and, and it says, no one will survive in the struggle with material nature. You know, it's sort of a fight with material nature. It's, you know, again, because we're not harmonizing, and then we... Yeah. And where does the fight come from? What, what, what is this struggle? Trying to not die. Exactly. Trying to stay in this body. The body is temporary. By design, all matter is temporary. See? But the soul is eternal. So we've got right there an immediate conflict. An eternal spirit soul in a temporary material body. S but identifying with that temporary material body. To the extent that we're afraid of while main dying when it's yeah. not... Like you said before, it's not possible to die in the real sense of the word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maintaining, uh, unavoidably so, our eternal existence, but identifying with a temporary material body immediately produces conflict. 
So I want to live forever because I do. That's, that's a given. But my body is very temporary. And so I'm, the struggle is trying to hang on to this body, which I think is me. In other words, don't die. And so Bhaktivedanta said, nobody wins the struggle. You know? Brahma doesn't win the struggle, and he, <laughs> you know, his lifespan is so long that, you know, it's like people wouldn't even believe yeah. if they heard it. But what did Bhaktivedanta say? Thousands of millions what, Thousands of millions describe? of years. <laughs> yeah. You know, and there's details in the scriptures about that, but we don't need to no. go there. Down to the, to the microbial, you know, little germ which lives for a few seconds a minute or less <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know but everybody's coming and going yeah you know everybody's here and gone mm. as far as the body goes see so everybody's struggling you know one of our dogs just caught a little young pheasant two days three days ago you know unfortunately and uh, so damaged the pheasant. You know, Sergey took the pheasant out of the dog's mouth, and brought it home, and you know, but it was struggling to survive. You know, I mean, it was injured, and you know, we tried to help it as much as possible, but you know, it left its body, and it was a struggle. You know, it was a struggle. It wasn't easy, and you know, that's that's just a another example of. Reality in the material world, it's a struggle, you know, against nature. Nature's arrangement is what it is. I mean, that fish that, that the eagle, you know, caught and took away was struggling to survive, flapping and flopping in the talons of the eagle, you know. Yeah. But I'm sure it didn't survive, <laughs> right? And that was nature's arrangement. The eagle eats the fish, yeah. you know. Yeah. And so... There you go. You know, can't you can't win on that level? You know, no, the most clever scientists will never be successful. But 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 we're not supposed to win on that cycle. That's the, on that that <laughs> right. level. That's the right. point. Right. That's not the stage we win on. So like the yeah the fight is over. The body will die we just have to accept that and do the best we can in the time that we have between you know getting being born and and dying and leaving this world and yes that's yes so in the human form that's that's why it is is declared in scriptures don't waste the human form of life don't waste it you know because it is very very rare very few living entities get a human form. Mm. Very few. Mm. Just look, you know, out your window. You know, I mean, you can even almost live in a city and look out your window and see so many other forms of life. You know, trees and grass and, you know, insects and all kinds of life forms which people are in. You know, every one of those life forms is a person in that body. And here you are, one person looking out the window. You go to the forest and it's amplified many times over. One person standing in the forest 
alone, just looking around. You don't even have to look 360 degrees. Just look, you know, a few degrees left and right, and you can see so many people. You know, man, this place is crowded. <laughs> so many trees, so many little sub-trees and plants and bushes, you know, and, and uh, the little guys that live down there and, you know, some birds in the trees and whatever, whatever, you know. You can't even count it. And here you are, one person in a human form. That's true, yeah. You know? <laughs> so... People in human bodies are in the minority yeah. by a large, large degree. So it's a rare birth. This is, this is the point. It's declared in Scripture. The human form of life is a very rare birth. But yeah. it, go no, ahead. The, maybe we could explain how then, like what is the process by which this is going on? I don't think we mentioned that before in in you know like how, how i mean there's a person inside these plants but how do i <laughs> why would i you know come there what is the process by which this it's all about mainly karma see the soul has karma and the karma makes it so a person takes birth in a particular body See, when they transfer from one body to another body, you know, according to their karma, and it also incorporates desires and attachments, you know, we take birth in a lower form, a higher form, a, a more advanced form, et cetera, et cetera. See? And there's an evolutionary transmigration of the soul from lower forms of life to higher forms of life, not from an evolution of the physical bodies become the monkey becomes man kind of thing. You know, it started with an amoeba and then it, you know, evolved and it came from whatever, whatever, survival of the fittest and so on. You know, according to the Vedas, that's not how it works, you know. And it's pretty obvious because, you know, after this theory of evolution was you know, established and accepted, nobody's seen it happen again. <laughs> nobody's ever seen a monkey becoming a human. Become a man. Mm. You know? Yeah. I mean, it, it, you can't duplicate it. It happened then, but why doesn't it happen now? You know, is it, is it just a one-time event? Mm. But anyway, that's another subject. So eventually, by evolving from lower forms of life to higher forms of life, and higher forms means more advanced consciousness. I mean, is not a plant consciousness lower and, and more dim, you know, more covered than an animal consciousness? You know, and, you know, there's different levels of animal consciousness as they, the, the soul moves to higher forms. You know, I mean, you know, the dolphins and the whales, I mean, they're still considered you know, animal forms, but they're, you know, displaying more intelligence, you know, than a chicken, and uh, but, et cetera. But this doesn't change the... And then eventually... It, it doesn't change the value of the person. I guess that's a, an important point. Like, it's... No, the soul's the mm. same. It's just taking on different forms of life with the accompanying consciousness that goes with that yeah. form. See? 
you move into a dog body, you've got dog consciousness, you know, and you don't have human consciousness. You've got dog consciousness. Yeah. You do what dogs do. You eat what dogs eat, and you mate the way dogs mate, and you defend, you know, with barking and teeth and fast legs, you know, and you sleep, you know, as best you can, you know. So as we get to higher forms of life, eventually you get a human form. That's the point. The soul has evolved through all the different, you know, various species of life to the human form. And now it gets human consciousness, which is what we talked about earlier, the, the mind, the intelligence, you know, the, the abilities to question and, you know, make choices and look up at the stars at night and, you know, wonder. I wonder what's up there. I wonder if there's life on those, you know, stars and, uh, you know, how, how immense and how, you know, vast the universe is, you know, even thinking or knowing about a universe, that's a human thing. Yeah. You know, dogs don't know about humans, I mean, about universes, you know, and astrology and astronomy and all these things. They don't, they don't have that, see? So the human form of life is a rare form of life. This was the point. Yeah. And it's called the precious human form of life because its purpose is to solve the miseries of life, to become free of the entanglements of the material existence. Let me see. To not just be thrown around on the wheel of birth and death, you know, uncontrollably. You know, taking a birth, living that life, whatever it is, coming to the end of that term, thrown again into, you know, the wheel of and popping out somewhere else and again and again and again, ad infinitum. It's not a good situation to be. It's like being in a washing machine and just getting thrown in and popped out and thrown in and popped out. <laughs> so the human form of life says, here's your solution. It, it's it's the, the loophole, so to speak. It's the facility. It, it's the precious gift, you know. And that's why... As soon as, this is, this is again Vedic knowledge, I don't speak, and you also don't speak, something that's just from the mind. It's all, you know, Vedically based truth. Yeah. And, you know, so it's declared that at the time of creation, the Lord sent forth, you know, all the living entities into the, his material creation, the demigods, the humans, the lower forms of life, et cetera, et cetera, you know, and they took their, you know, assumed positions according to their past, you know, activities, you know. And then at the same time, he sent forth the Vedas. He gave the Vedic knowledge for the humans to have access to all this truth from the very beginning. Yeah. Not that some sage had to figure all this out, you know, and, and maybe get it right and maybe get it wrong. You know, it's descending. It's all part of the, the recipe. Yeah. Here's the material world. Here's the living entities. Here's the humans, and here's the Vedic knowledge. And you have the, the, the equipment 
the facility, the ability to read this, to understand it, to apply it to your life, and become spiritually realized, self-realized. Yeah. You have that. God gives us all that. Mm. But if you take that gift of the human form and the Vedic knowledge and, you know, so on and so on, and just you don't use it at all, throw it away, or misuse it in various different ways, then you, you throw away the most valuable gift. And it's... The precious gem. And, and like you said, an opportunity. That's like a window of opportunity. You may, not, you may not get the same, or at least for a long, long time, you may not get the same opportunity that you have right now. You know, Absolutely. we have that. You know. Mm. you know, another declaration of Scripture is, if you don't use the human form of life for its intended purpose, mm. spiritual realization, you lose it. If you don't use it, you lose it. <laughs> That's a saying in other in contexts. Sports are about the body. Yeah. You know, if you don't use your muscles, they'll atrophy. You know, you you, you must use it, or you lose yeah. it. You know. <laughs> so if we don't use the human form of life, we lose it. What does that mean? You go back down into the lower forms of life again, depending on what you've done in this life. You know, and now you're back on the cycle and the evolutions, and it could take millions of births to get another human form. <laughs> wow. <laughs> In fact, it describes that, that this is the greatest fear, you know, of a, of a human, is to lose the human form of life, see? But spiritual realization saves one from the greatest fear. If you use the human form of life for its intended purpose, which we've said it again and again, spiritual realization, developing God consciousness, developing, you know, harmony with God, a relationship, real relationship with God, etc. You know, if you use it for that purpose, even if you're not completely successful, you don't make a complete success mm -hmm. see you still get another human form next life see to continue your development yeah. see it's like okay you 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 made 10 percent progress okay next lifetime you start at 11 percent mm -hmm. and in that lifetime as a human you make you come up to 30%. Next lifetime, you start at 31. And you continue and continue until you reach 100%. Hmm. And then you are free. Then you, you know, go back to the spiritual world, you know, our natural home. You know, you've developed that relationship with God. You see, you know your spirit soul. You know you're not the material body. You're living that truth, you see. And along the way, of course, you know, you're increasing, you know, real happiness and pleasure in your life. You know, you've got a, a firm foundation of existence. You know, you're not thrown all over the place by every little upheaval in the material world. All kinds of benefits, all kinds, you know, on every level, you see. 
but you know, if you don't use it for that, you lose it. And what a waste, what a loss, what a loss. And it's and the reason that we would do that is that we why is it that we can't be honest with ourselves? Like we can't <laughs> We, I, I guess it's we can't step away from the false ego. We, we're we're stuck in a situation where we we just we're stuck so stuck in the illusion that we we we, we centered our life around this illusion that we're in, and that's all that we have faith in. Like that, we think that's that's all we cling on to the illusion of who we are and what will save us, and and that we're that we're our bodies, and it's going to end when we die anyway. And then who you know who cares about what we're speaking about right now because it's going to end. So there's no. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, why worry about you know next life when there is no next life? I mean, that's easy. <laughs> Makes it yeah. Just enjoying out as much as possible. But you know, it's a false philosophy. You know, it's a flawed philosophy of life. Yeah. So that's why we need to listen to authorities who know the truth, and not listen to quote, authorities who have no idea, yeah. you know. And and we're fed lies our whole life, you know, from the very beginning. You know, if, if, if my parents, who are the original teachers this life, yeah. don't know these truths, then they're going to teach me what I don't need to know. They're going to teach me falsehood. Yeah. You know, they're going to teach me you are the body. Yeah. Look in the mirror. This is you. I mean, parents do this, right? They should put a mirror in front of the baby, and they go, you, you, see, you, this is you, back and forth. You know, they're reinforcing the <laughs> false identity concept, you know. And as you grow, they just, they and everyone else, you know, continues to reinforce this and reinforce this, mm. you know. And, and so... You know, the the learning process is is taking us in the wrong direction. Yeah. You know, it's it's taking us away from the truth. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And the more it's propagated, the more it's propagated. I mean we've got if we've got a whole society in this consciousness, then the 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 members of that society that come into that society, this is gonna be there. They're learning as well. Yeah. I mean, what else are you going to learn? Mm. I mean, you don't know anything when you're born. So whatever you learn, you learn from others, you know, in personal experience. Well, the personal experience in most cases is material and sensual and, you know, the pleasure, pain, you know, experiences. This makes me feel good. This hurts mm. me, you know, and, and so on. So... That's not an avenue of, of education that's, that's dependable. So that's why the Vedas from the very beginning were given. Here, here is the textbook. Here is the teaching. And here are the masters. See, there's always been masters from the very beginning. Lord Brahma, the original spiritual master in the material world. You know, our, our Sampradaya, our disciplic line, comes from Lord Brahma, Brahma Sampradaya. He gave this knowledge. Krishna gave it to him in his heart. He taught it to his son Narada, Narada Muni. You see, the great sage who, you know, has 
taught this to others, and you know, he taught it to Vyasa and so on, and Vyasa wrote it in the Vedic literature, and you know, many, many, many wonderful, purely realized teachers, you know, presenting this knowledge. Yeah. You know, Jesus Christ, you know, he didn't come here to teach people to split atoms. <laughs> you know, he didn't come here to teach people to, you know, enjoy life with better, you know, inventions of material, you know, sources. He came to teach people the truth, love for God. You know, he was simple. You know, he taught people to be stay simple and focus on the absolute. Yeah. You know, to pray to God. You know, God will give you everything you need. Why worry about what you're going to eat tomorrow? Where are you going to sleep tomorrow? Jesus is teaching. Look at the lilies of the field. You know, even Solomon doesn't have a tire like them. You know, <laughs> Solomon was the rich king, right? He had all the robes and all the jewels and whatever he had. He said, even Solomon is not a tired with such beauty as they are, you know. And yet they don't work, neither do they toil, <laughs> you know. And God gives them everything, you know. Look at the beast of the field. They get their food. They have a place to sleep. The birds have a nest. Everybody's being provided for. So what makes you think mankind, who is on the highest level, you know, of, you know, development, won't be taken care of by God if you, exactly. you exactly. know, just focus on God. That's what Jesus exactly. taught, you know. And so, you know, every great teacher has thought the same thing, and every pseudo-teacher has thought the opposite. <laughs> you know, greatness means material achievement. You and, know, what you can conquer, what you can own, what you can control— you know, the fame you can accumulate, you know, the, the the sensual pleasures that you can experience, you know, is success. Uh, and that's been that's what's being promoted as well. So obviously that's what we that's what we see, that's what we're exposed to, that's what we're affected by. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know. And more and more the the words of the masters, be it Jesus or or, or be it Muhammad, or be it all our great saints, Narada Muni, Lord Brahma, Bhaktivedanta Prabhupada, Srila Prabhupada, all is being just taken away. I mean, it's it's like not being promoted, it's being quietened, silenced. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know during the COVID you know, restrictions, the churches were attacked more than any other business or institution, you know, their lockdowns were were more severe and more extended than any other. The liquor stores could be open, you know, uh, the food stores could be open, yeah. all these nightclubs, many could be open, although, you know, many eventually couldn't, you know, but they were termed essential, you know, the food stores, the, the places that sell alcohol and all that, they were essential to society. You know, abortion clinics stayed open. You know, that's an essential part of society. See, but churches, they're not essential. They're not necessary. Close those guys up. <laughs> you see, so you can see what's essential and what's not in the minds of these people. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Spiritual life is not essential. Mm -hmm. It's actually in the way. It's a hindrance. It's a, 
you know, an obstacle. It's a drawback. It's true. It's true. You know, and it it it, it brainwashes people. <laughs> like like we're not already brainwashed. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's just that they can scrub our brains with their detergent. And spiritual detergents aren't allowed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's, it's unfortunate because we've gone away from the human form of life. Mm. See, now here's another interesting point. I don't know what time it is. Yeah, we got time. Here's another interesting point. The Vedas declare that just because you have a human form of life, Two hands, two legs, et cetera, et cetera, you know, human form. <laughs> you know, we can talk and walk and speak our, you know, chosen language and uh -huh. whatever. You know, doesn't mean you're a human. That's not the definition of a human. See? A definition of a human is when you use the human form of life to inquire into the absolute truth. That's when one becomes a human. Hmm. And it says, now is the time to inquire into the absolute truth. So all that existence in the, quote, human form up until that point is considered animal life. It is not considered human life. Because the animals have four propensities. We've talked about this before. Eating. Sleeping, mating, and defending. See? Yeah. So if I take my human form, and all I do is use it for those four activities, eating, sleeping, mating, and defending, I'm still on the animal level. I haven't done anything human yet, you know? And as we know, that's basically all it's going on. You know, just glorified animal life, you know? Eating gourmet food, you know. Oh, tonight I'm going to have Mexican. Oh, tomorrow night I'm having Italian. You know, I'm going to go to this very elaborate restaurant and have, you know, delicious food. It's still eating, you know. It's, it's nothing but eating, just using the mind and the intelligence, the glorified human facilities to advance the eating process to make it more civilized and make it appear like it's not actually uh, you know it's it's more than an animal instinct it's and more sensually pleasurable mm. that's the main reason you know that's part of what we call civilization is increased sensual experience yeah you know why is some food considered good and others not because it's sensual it stimulates the tongue in a more pleasurable yeah. way you know one of the biggest complaints of people who had covid or have covid now friend of mine you know just recently right. ha he has it he's just getting over it. taste and what happened he lost his sense of smell and his exactly sense of taste. and what did that do it made it so he couldn't enjoy you can't enjoy food if you can't taste it you know you can't enjoy food if you can't smell it. Oh, what is what is the aroma of pizza? I don't know. I can't smell anything. Yeah. Fresh break bread. I can't smell anything. So it takes a lot of the impetus for eating away. Can't smell and can't taste. Why eat? You know. And so people lose weight. 
Well, that's a, not necessarily a bad thing, maybe, for some. I mean, how long are you just going to chew? It's, it's like kind of boring, oh, yeah. you know, kind of, you know, it's just like a hassle. Chewing and chewing and swallowing and chewing and swallowing, you know. If you can't, it's not worth it. Why bother? Just eat a little bit and, okay, it's done. <laughs> but when it's all full on, smell and taste, you overeat. You know, I'll have one more serving of this. I'll have one more piece of cake. I'll have one more of this and that, see. Because there's pleasure. There's mm. pleasure, see. Mm. So anyway, the point is, you know. We, we have glorified the eating process. You know, that eagle that caught that fish is not going to take it out and fillet it and saute it and, you know, put all kind of spices on it and so on like that. You know, it's just going to gobble it down for survival. <laughs> you know? and, and that's the end of the story. <sighs> and so eating and then sleeping, we, we've developed all kinds of elaborate sleeping, you know, facilities. Mm. You know, softer beds or more firm beds, whatever your choice. You know, for a while there was a big rage of water beds, yeah. you know, and you know, air conditioning if it's too hot and heat if it's too cold and soft pillows or firm pillows again according to your taste and... <laughs> You know, very, you know, nice covers and snuggly things and, you know, but it's still sleeping, you know, it's, it's just sleeping. It's, it's nothing, you know, spiritual about any of that, you know. Mating, uh, you know, we don't even have to talk about that. I mean, that's just gone off the scale, you know, in all kinds <laughs> of, you know, misdirected ways. And then, you know, defending with our advanced intelligence, you know, we're defending with nuclear weapons, smart bombs, you know, automatic weapons, you know, now sonic weapons are, yeah. you know, being talked about and, and experimented with. Bio-warfare, what is that all about? Where did this whole thing start that we're struggling with worldwide right now, you know? Supposedly, bioweapons development, you know, gain-of-function research. You know, there's debates here. I'm not taking any side. But, you know, there's certainly bioweapon research going on. Yeah. You know, whether COVID-19 started out of that or not, you know, everybody can draw their own conclusions. But it's the same point. We're using amazing intelligence to take viruses from a bat you know, and another virus from another vat, bat and combine them together, you know, and make it so they gain function so they can jump and infect a human. Yeah. You know, that's what gain-of-function research is. Let's see what we can do with all these different viruses and combine them and, you know, modify them and whatever, genetically engineer them and so that they can infect humans and then we can just put a little bit over here, spread it around in whatever way we do, you know, through the air, through water, through whatever, whatever, you know, and achieve a certain end of killing a lot of people or making a lot of people sick or debilitating a, a whole segment of society or removing a whole segment of society, you know, according to... I mean, what is that? Is that spiritual or is that misuse of the human form of life? See? And, and you don't have to be a 
an intelligent person to, to answer that question. You know, is this research necessary? People say it is. No, it's not. You know, if you follow God's plan, if you're in harmony with God's system, all those things in life that are necessary are going to be automatically there, and you're going to have a different kind of happiness, not just dependent on sensual experiences, but internal happiness. Happiness is in the heart. That's where the soul is. Spiritual pleasure, spiritual happiness, spiritual fulfillment and satisfaction is real pleasure, and nothing external can take it away. You know, the world can fall down. You know, the fires can burn up everything, whatever. Mm. See, I'm still happy because that was not my source of happiness. I, that was, I was not dependent on that. No. You see, it's a, it may be a hassle. It may be a discomfort, a disturbance in whatever way it is. But I'm still the same person I always was before and after that. See, that's what you get from spiritual achievement, using the human form of life. Yeah. See, But as long as I'm operating as an animal with human facilities, all I'm doing is creating problems, making a mess in the world, yeah. making a big mess. So, not just for yourself, See? but for others as well. For, for everybody. Mm. So, you know, you've got all this and you wind up with a society where you can't breathe the air, you can't drink the water, you know, the food is genetically modified. And, and you know, there's no suitable place to live. Crime is everywhere. Mm. You know, you, you're afraid to go out of your house. There's many places now where people don't even go out of their house, especially at night. But now it's going also during the day. Because more open crimes used to be the criminals did their stuff during the night. Now they do it any time and every time. Doesn't matter where they are and who they are. You know, they don't care. No. They just do whatever they want to do. Kill people, behead people. You know, one girl was beheaded, you know, a couple of days ago in America. You know, in the middle of the day, in, in broad daylight, in a crowded place. What? You know, beheaded. I mean... And it wasn't, you know, some punishment for some crime. It was just a fit of anger, you know, so, which, which came from lust, which came from whatever, whatever. I mean, the whole scenario, you know. So, you know, is this human life? Is this, is this how we're supposed to live? And the answer is no. This is not human life. This is prison. This is turmoil. This is, you know, worse than, than the worst case scenario. <laughs> You know, we're not supposed to live in fear. We're supposed to live in exhilaration and, you know, excitement. And no, we're protected by the Lord. And, you know, people are on the higher level of and standard of living. And people don't do those yeah. things. Well, you know, they don't do those things because the consciousness doesn't do that. You know. Yeah. So there is no substitute for the purpose of the human form of life being utilized correctly. There is no substitute for that, for the betterment of everybody. So spreading this knowledge, adopting this knowledge, applying this knowledge is the greatest welfare activity. And we've described that before. Yeah, we've talked about that before. Mm. Yeah, the greatest welfare activity. You cannot do more for another person than that. Yes. So... 
the greatest teachers are the greatest welfare workers. Mm. You know? <laughs> and they care. They care about people. Exactly. You, you, you see, like, spiritual teachers often seem like, oh, but, you know, they're helping you in some part of your life with some, you know, deeper, something that's not really connected to reality. It's just some, like, added thing to your life and some interest, and they're maybe helping you there, but that's completely different from what you're saying. <laughs> like, that, uh, it's... <clears throat> yeah. They're helping you. So, I was... yeah. As you've read in Srimad Bhagavatam in, in the first canto, you know, there's principles of religion. This is not about one sectarian belief system dominating the world. Exactly. And that's what people often say is, is they're afraid of. Exactly. You know, they're afraid of some particular sect or belief system taking over. Yeah. And, and if you're not that... If you're not a Christian, if that's the dominating system, or if you're not a Muslim, or if you're not a Hindu, or if you're not a Buddhist, you know, then you will be ostracized, or you know, life will be uncomfortable, or you'll be persecuted, or whatever, you know. And that's what we know from other but, societies, like from previous societies, where that have been has been the case. We've we've seen that happen. Yes, but that's not religion. That's pseudo-religion. That's people who are, that are doing that in the name of religion yeah. that don't understand religion at all. See? But in, in the, the Vedic system, and, and again, referring back to Srimad Bhagavatam First Canto, there's principles of religion. You know? And we've talked about austerity, cleanliness, mercy, and truthfulness, the four pillars of religion. It should be incorporated in everybody's life. The government should incorporate this. The government should be founded on these principles of religion, not a religious group controlling the environment, the, the government. Yeah, yeah. The principles of religion. I see what you mean. What's wrong with truthfulness as a, as a political system? What's wrong in a political system to have austerity and cleanliness, you see, and mercy? I mean, that's ideal. That's perfect. Well, the, 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 because we're always uh, we're very skeptical towards mixing religion and and state affairs. Because I guess of the way that we see religion, like a sectarian uh, belief system that is controlling with all of that, which it brings with it, the fanaticism or the that's that's the, the point. The we that's and the misinformation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's false exactly. news. False news. <laughs> Fake news. <laughs> yeah. as, as is so commonly, you know, said today. Oh, that's fake news. That's disinformation. That's misinformation. This is whatever, whatever. But 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 it, we have no other. I mean, we, we haven't seen any other. Most people haven't seen any other force than that in the name of religion. Like that is what goes as religion. That is like what else would. Would it would it be like how else would it be? <laughs> well, yeah. well, it's not going to happen overnight. But there has to be true teachers, see a true master, who has full vision, understanding, knowledge. That's you know taking the people who want to follow his guidance, taking them to this higher level of understanding, and then they can give it to someone else who can give it to someone else. Yeah. And as we've said many times, each person who implements it in his own life 
is helping society. Mm. You know, even though you may not be promoting it, if you're living it, you're helping society. And you can spread good just like you can spread bad. You know, it's it's possible to spread good as well as bad. Yeah. You know, so if your consciousness is as it should be, if you're actually living, you know, a human life, inquiring about the absolute truth, maybe you don't know much, but maybe you can, you know, inspire someone else to start asking questions as you yourself are asking. Right. You see? You know, you know, people are afraid maybe to ask questions, you know, and especially those kind of questions. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like they don't even want to admit that they're interested in that subject. Yeah. So, you know, one person can, you know, maybe give uh, some strength to another person. Yeah. No, because again, don't 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 talk about politics and religion because it's it becomes we and them and it's a it's a like it's a, it's a collision there because of the you know. yeah 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 exactly the, so that's where we're at now as a, as as the world turns you know we're in that compromised position in life and. You know, all we can do is speak the truth. I mean, uh, you know, we can't change anybody's life. You know, we're not trying to change anybody. We talked about that last time. I think. No. We're not trying to convert anybody. We're just trying to present truth. Truth. And if someone is interested, they will somehow be guided to to come in contact with it. And yeah, I have a. I have a quote that we might read, that we might end with, and because I think we've, you know, the hour. You see if you want to say something more. But I, this is a this is a preface. This is the beginning of Shrimad Bhagavatam. We're back to Vedanta Swami says, uh, we must know the present need of human society, and what is that need? Human society is no longer bounded by geographical limits to particular countries or communities. Human society is broader than in the Middle Ages, and the world tendency to, is toward one state or one human society. There is need of a clue as to how humanity can become one in peace, friendship, and prosperity with a common cause. Yeah. And what is that common goal, and the common cause and the common goal? spiritual realization if you if you've got that as the common common meaning just as you describe Bhaktivedanta described world view then yeah you're going to make progress yeah common cause common goal yeah mm -hmm. and uh so that's what the world needs, not more, you know, advanced technology. <laughs> but as far as technology goes, you know, I just want to mention that people say, well, look at you guys. 
I mean, look at you. You're here on the internet. That is an expensive you know, microphone. You've got and... cameras, you've got <laughs> microphones, you've got headphones, you know, you're, you know, connected in whatever way you are and whatever. We can use everything in God's service, everything. So we'll take this technology and we'll use it, you know, for this purpose, you know. We're not afraid of technology. We're not saying technology is bad in and of itself. It's misuse of technology that's causing the problem. So if you want to develop all this amazing things that have been developed, we'll use it. <laughs> we will definitely use it. You know, and as it gets more advanced, we'll use that too. <laughs> no, for this purpose. So it would be foolish for us to reject it and say, oh, no, I don't. You, I mean, how could, you're in Norway, I'm in Kazakhstan. How could we be having this conversation, which is broadcast to the world, really, no. without this technology? I mean, we could not. Writing a letter and then two weeks later, you, or what, two months mm -hmm. later, you get the letter. And And who, who, what are you going to do with that letter? <laughs> How many people are you going to send that letter to? You know, you don't even have addresses. You know? yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's an amazing facility. But but again... Take the facility. Yeah, like Bhaktivedanta says, it's human size is broader than in the Middle Ages. We we have the opportunity now to... The, the, this technology is giving us the opportunity to connect. But we can use that in the... Or we, and we should use it in the correct way. With the correct understanding. Yes. Yes. Use it as humans, yeah. not animals. And I was thinking eating as well. You know, we, we, we don't stop eating, but we eat for spiritual realization to use this body to because I'm sitting here and I, I had breakfast, you know, otherwise I wouldn't be able to sit here and have energy to speak, you know. <laughs> I needed the breakfast too. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I needed to sleep and yeah, you need food. I mean, that's that's how it's designed. The body's designed to eat food for energy and sustenance and development. And but again, you know, we take the eating necessity and offer the food to God before we eat it, which removes all karma. That's another whole subject. We've talked about it before. Removes the karma and actually spiritualizes the food. So now your breakfast was not just whatever it was. You know. Oats and I don't oats, know and <laughs> oats, sandwich. oats and raisins and whatever. But it was actually spiritual food. It was actually spiritually potent food. So it nourishes the body, gives you energy and so on, but it also you know, purifies the heart and the mind. Yeah. yeah. So you can take everything and use it with knowledge for the betterment of yourself and others. Wow. <laughs> let's, and, yeah. let's chant. I have nothing more to say <laughs> to that. That's <laughs> perfect. Yeah, we've said enough. <laughs> we've said enough. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So our mantra is going to be Har Goranga Vibo. 
as always, because like I explain each time, it's not because we don't know other mantras. It's just because we try to keep it simple. <laughs> you know, you don't have to learn a new mantra. You don't have to struggle with the words. All you got to do is relax and chant. And that's what we hope you will do. And you're very good at the one, like the one chord melodies. <laughs> Simple. <laughs> Simple. <laughs> you know, when you got take a guy who doesn't know how to do much and he's got to do something, he's going to keep it simple. <laughs>
Did you hear the drum? 
I didn't. Oh. I didn't. I hear it now, yeah. I hear it now. Good. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Drums, Thanks. guitars, whatever we have, we'll use. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, like technology. <laughs> All right, Ruben, thank you very right. much. Uh, always a pleasure, you know. We yeah. call it a rap session, I guess. Spiritual rap session. We're just rapping, just talking. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Well, put yeah. it out there and we... Yeah. Yeah, so... Great. Break in trail. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what we have to do, you know. That's because, you know, that's what's right to do. And that's what we do. Yeah. You know, Staying one person said, said something, do the right thing for the right reason, and it'll always come out good. <laughs> so if you think about that, that's very, very true. Right thing for the right reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Namaste, Haribo. Haribo.